G'day, boys. Welcome to the Coach and Tex. How did you enjoy the buy? Hated the buy, but love the build-up. I can't wait for the weekend. It's compromised, Shane. You know that. Tex? I told you not to mention that. Hello, boys. I loved it. I thought it was great. It just gets everyone cherry ripe, and we build nicely to the big dance. Can you believe it all comes to this? I just have to get the episode title in somewhere, mate, in the in the opening. Oh, well done, mate. Very clever. Um, Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's been last weekend. I did watch a little bit of football Friday night. I flicked it over at about 10, 10.30 at night. 5.04, Fox footy, Swans versus Eagles. 2006 grand final, about halfway through the second quarter. What a game. What an absolute ripper of a game. It, it, I did see some of that, Shane, and it felt a bit foreign seeing so many one-on-one marking contests compared to what we see today. Nice. Nice. Oh, well, that would be um, the work of one S. Hocking, mate, who's set it all up for himself when he goes back down to Geelong, I see. Oh, his replacement will fix that. Oh, please. Please, <laughs> Shane. Um, now, it's well, a job well, for well, the boys, mate. It's just while we're horrible. speaking about speaking about nuffies and jobs for the boys, what is going on on the Westgate Bridge? Text. Can you just peer out the window there from um, from the hub, the Yarragul hub, and tell us what is going on? As Setka and his mates have they removed themselves from the bridge? Well, mate, it, it, this is we should have entitled this segment. To, it all comes down to this, and we've lost our shit because we are we have lost our way completely in society. And uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. I just think that it's a sad state of affairs when we get to this. But thank Christ the AFL don't have the grand final in Melbourne because could you imagine if there was a grand final parade that would have been in jeopardy because of the. Um, the dumbness and the stupidity of these fuckwits. But the orange vest would have still been there by the time they'd done the parade. They'd be the only one in there. Mate, it, it's, it is embarrassing. And uh, guess what the tirade's on? You wouldn't believe it. Uh, orange the, vest, high the, vest. The unvaccinated, um, uh, in fact, I did see a little bit uh, on, on Twitter and someone was saying it was an unauthorised um, grand final parade taking place on uh, the Westgate Bridge. <laughs> I suspect they're marching west and, and, and they're going to, I think, breach the border of South Australia and WA at some time uh, at about 3.30 a.m. on Friday morning, mate, uh, which means that there could be COVID trouble in that um, uh, impenetrable bubble that's called WA, mate. Could, wouldn't that just be a disaster to, to just blow up this compromise season right at the death knell? This will be a ripper, mate. Perth will do an outstanding job, and this will be one of the greats. Yes. I agree with that, mate. So what about what about the roadmap? Were well, you convinced? Which which roadmap are you taking? The Glads? <laughs> or are you taking are you taking our um uh, everybody's favorite dictatorial bastard? Well, I, I, Shane, I don't know, but I don't mind it. I, at least at least there's some dates now that people can work towards. And it did make me think we're critical that we don't have a roadmap and then when we get a roadmap, we don't like it. So I'm not sure you can win, but we've got some dates now and to me it's all about just moving forward. Now, it's probably similar to one of your action plans. The dates mean nothing. The names next to the actions and responsibilities mean nothing. It won't get done. Shane. Surely. Shane, please. What do you want me to say to you, mate? <laughs> like most roadmaps, 
<laughs> right? There's a start and an end. We don't know where the end is. There's some indication where we're going, but yeah. there should be a roundabout, there'll be a left turn, there'll be a T intersection. So who knows which way we're going to go. As uh, what I do know is let's hope as they're milling around behind the stalls on Cup Day and you hear that, wait, 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 before the barriers release, I think <laughs> normal transmission will have resumed, mate. Well, let's, oh. hope, let's hope you're right. Hey, um, one last bit on politics before we move right along, mate, is um, what about your mate, the porter? But again, it just it must be we make up stories. The, the man has done nothing wrong. Uh, he hasn't broken any laws. Otherwise, why, why police... did he resign then, mate? If because he, if, if everything's all right, because just out of interest. Because as a minister, you can't do what he did, but as a parliamentarian, you can. So he's done nothing wrong. He hasn't stolen any money. He's just been funded by unpublicised sources because someone or or a group of people, philanthropists, believe in his cause and. Uh, he, like Barnaby Joyce, will come back and all will be forgotten. It's just going to take time. Didn't that one pop up out of nowhere? Um, old Barnaby's just um, bang, back on back on deck. He's apparently the acting the acting leader at the moment, isn't he? He's doing well, a fair bit of acting. ScoMo's over there to see Sleepy Joe, and didn't he have a wonderful week? Sleepy Joe, not remembering the Prime Minister's name. Another embarrassment, that bloke. My friend from down under. Yeah, oh, honestly. <laughs> Why would you worry about – he's pretty forgettable, though, isn't he? You you are an idiot, mate. He is. He is. Oh, okay. No worries. I mean, this is what we do in, in this country, Shane. We have the tall poppy syndrome. Anyone in authority, any we, we try and pull people down rather than complimenting people for the great work they do. Oh, is that like um, – You're not talking about Donald Trump here, are you? <laughs> in the other country. Please. <laughs> I'm talking about... You're talking about Australians. I'm talking, well, specifically Australians, but it happens around the world. But in Australia, in Victoria, it happens. We never say, geez, he's a good bloke or she's done a great job. We always find reasons to pull people down. Yeah. Like, and I think it's titled The Tirade. No, no. Well, I've been positive in my tirade and you people have redirected me into some negativity at times. But anyway, I'll, I reckon we've done I'm about, not sure about that. Podcasts, mate. We're not directing you at all with your tirades. 49 out of 50 have been negative. I've well, just got that from Champion Data. They've just sent it across to me. Well, hang on to your hat for tonight then. Mm. All right. Now, we want, we want to move because we've got a jam-packed episode, mate. But there were some notable um, horse racing um, facts that we wanted to cover off across the weekend, mate. I mean, very elegant. Speaking of positive, mate. So my baby, she's so good, that girl. Unbelievable. Nine group ones now. A group one is a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old. She just keeps going. Uh, recency bias again. Won't perform on the, the tracks that are any better than a, than a good. So she's a soft track girl and a great, a great mare, but we'll be found wanting on the hard stuff. Well, she won the Turnbull on a hard track, on a good track last year. She got beaten by a nose two starts ago on a good track. So you better get your facts right, mate. Mate, Shut we've up. got our version of Bert Bryant on this podcast, Tex, you know that. So um, he was bristling all over the weekend, particularly his tip for the Halidon Cup, followed into the Boulder Cup winner, mate. I was very impressed with Shane's work on that. Did anyone, had anyone ever heard of Halidon before Sunday? I hadn't. Like I said to you, mate, the curator is under performance management as we speak. I had to go to my camera in the wrong angle. No good. 
I had to go to my South Australian correspondent, Mr. Flynn, just to guide me to the the uh, the buffet, the coordinates, the coordinates of where uh, Halliden was. Hey, you know what's not on the run sheet? What's not on the run sheet? And our- mate, I'm always. Uh, you know, I treat feedback as a gift. Give me another gift, mate. Uh, our twitters have requested that. Our tweeters, you, you mean? Yeah, our tweeters. <laughs> our tweeters on Twitter. <laughs> Wish you guys would get it right. Use, use guys. <laughs> you guys. I didn't say use. Yeah. Uh, I want your I want your feedback on David Teague's appointment at Richmond because you've been so glowing of your references of him throughout his his football career. Oh, Tex, I'm going to get a specific grab of exactly what I said on him, but let's save that for the footy talk. Now, Shane, we we know that there will be an opportunity for the Twitters, <laughs> to, to give us their feedback. But if they want to do that, where do they go? Don't find us. Ah, the coach and text. Oh, it's good to be back, lads. So we've got a, one of our, we've got a special correspondent, our previously northern-based Queensland correspondent. We, we suspected that what he left, he left the Gold Coast at about, I don't know, two o'clock on Saturday afternoon. We reckon he's cleared the Simpson Desert and he's well on his way um, through, through, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the Nullarbor. The, yes, it is. Yes, Tex. No, I'm talking about the Border Patrol. They've let him through. Um, and, and he will be our WA correspondent to let us know on everything that's going on um, as Perth build up to this magnificent event on Saturday night. And all of our special segments that we usually cover off are back this week. Onwards and upwards, lads. Now, mate. If you ever want to find out about this week's grand final, then you've come to the right place. We have got the coach and the techs who are going to go over all the big issues around the grand final we wanted. Well, I didn't personally want it, but anyway, um, in this highly compromised year, I guess we'll have to put up with it. Uh, Shane, what are your first thoughts on this big game on Saturday? I think it'll be a great event um, based on... Uh, the consistency of both teams throughout the whole season. Uh, they've both had patches throughout the year where they've struggled a little bit. Doggies obviously late in the year, losing the last three games, but they've responded in magnificent fashion over the last uh, three slash four weeks now, three games that they've played. So um, I think teams, both teams are quite even, but we might talk about it a little bit later. But I, I think all goes well for, um, a, well, I hope, an expected great grand final. So... Um, I'm excited about it. I, I can't wait to see it. So I think both teams are quite balanced across uh, their lines, which is really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Tex? Uh, ditto. I'm genuinely looking forward to it. And I long first time in a long time where I can sit back and go, well, personally, I hope Melbourne win, but it'll just be a great spectacle, I think, and, and very happy if the Bulldogs win as well. So not sitting on the fence, but... The build-up is good, and I think we do have the best two teams. Um, logic says you do because they get there, but I think over the course of the year, even though the Bulldogs didn't finish in the top four, they only just missed out. So I think the system works. I think the finals system has worked, the top eight, the top four, and like most things in life, you get what you deserve, and we should get a belter. Well, but um, So now we've had to wait an extra week. How have you felt about the buy being at this particular point versus around 23 straight into the first week of finals. 
uh, any any initial views around that? I think the the training schedule for Melbourne's going to be really important, and it was good to see they play a bit of a. I think it was two twenty minute quarters, halves, if you want to call it that, last weekend, or uh, as a bit of a scratch match to sort of uh, sharpen them up. Um, so it depends what they've done in between that. So they've played one game in effect in four weeks, uh, which is a long time. So the management of their condition is going to be really important. And it gives them, well, it doesn't really give them any longer time to think about it, but um, about the game itself. But it's about themselves, how they're feeling physically. So whereas the doggies, I think it probably advantages, advantages them a lot more in the sense that they've had three pretty solid games, gone to Tassie, gone to Brisbane, flew back to Perth, back to Adelaide, won fly back to Perth, I think it probably is better for them that they've had the week off um, and prepare for, for Saturday's game. So, um, But what yeah. about you as a, as a watcher of the game? How did you find having to wait a week between the prelims and the grand final? Do you think like it's... Um, because again, I, I mean, I know we've mucked around with this whole concept of a soulless season, but um, trying to get excited about the game when it's so far away again... Uh, it's not your team, and and yes, I think th- I just think how good would Melbourne be right now if this game was was being played at the MCG and you get crowds? Can you imagine how the city would be right now? Oh, it'd be incredible. It'd be fantastic. It'd be great to be a part of it <coughs> and witnessing that. So, um, I I just think it's um, there'll be a story. There'll be some excuses that come out of it. Whoever wins on the weekend, that it's. Um, the break hasn't advantaged them for whatever the reason may be or they'll bring up. Um, I think if we played last weekend, I would have favoured Melbourne to win. the. I, I still think Melbourne would win just, but I thought probably would have been stronger with Melbourne winning last week than the Doggies. Tex, chime in there from um, the well, Arizal Hub whenever you're ready. No, no, well, I, I wait my turn because we stick to our strengths on this show and clearly all that player stuff is in Shane's wheelhouse. But as Back a, to you, Shane. <laughs> Thanks, Tex. Um, yeah, so moving on. Shane! So we talk about Port Adelaide and Geelong and their performance. Shall we talk about that? Shane. I'm oh, sorry, Tex. As a supporter, I reckon it's great. And I think um, in normal times, if you can have that bye weekend, I would keep it where it is. And if you could play the VFL Grand Final and have the Brownlow on a Saturday night rather than a Sunday night and have the waffle and, and all that sort of stuff, I think you can really build um, – the centrepiece around that. So I like the buy. And it, to me, what I like is you, you shouldn't have sore players backing up on a six day break or even seven day break after a prelim. So I think it's, if there's going to be a buy, I'd like it to be where it is and just build the expectation into the grand final. I'm interested from Shano to see whether there's um, a tendency to want to play the game out in your head over two weeks rather than a week, but maybe we can cover that at the appropriate time, Shane. Well, well, I can we tell we you from talk, a talk about it now. perspective, mate. Oh, mate. Yeah. When we had the double chance and qualified directly, I mean, I was just wondering what position was I going to be sitting on in the bench uh, <laughs> for two weeks instead of one week, mate. It was bad. It did my head in, mate. I think it depends where the rain was coming in. If it was a Thank wet you, day, mate, if it's coming for a westerly <laughs> or an easterly, so it depends where you sit. But well, the boys, uh, the mind games, the fourteen days, the, outside, of, yeah. the fourteen days of thinking about the game itself. Yeah, it's a big challenge. It's seven days is always a challenge so because it's such a massive game for each individual and the collective. So um, we'll find that out very soon or very quickly at the start of the game because you'll see it 
because the tight the team that looks flat and tired have played the game too much in their heads. Is that mm-hmm. I mean, okay? Can we read into that sometimes too much, mate? Because I think even this co- this commentary around the one game in in um, almost four weeks. Well, it's it's going to be effectively three games in just over four weeks, right? Because people start the count from the day after their previous final and then conveniently say they've had one game in 27 days. Well, they've had two in 28, right? So, And it's no different to... So if you think back to the start of this system when they had the buyers and all the rest of it, which is, I think, 2016. Yes. So I'll use the, the years where Richmond have qualified um, against the Crows. Um, both those teams went straight in week off, win their first final, another week off, win the prelim, play in the grand final the week after. Mm-hmm. In 2000. 18, I think the Eagles qualified straight through. Um, Collingwood came through um, the same way Richmond did last year, uh, where they lost their first final and then and then qualified uh, for the grand final the other way through. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, the, the the Giants had to play an extra final. And Richmond had two weeks off, just like Melbourne are now, right? And um, the, the Giants were just spent by the time they got there because they didn't have that week off, which is why I think this... This year is interesting, right? Because I don't think Melbourne are any different to any other team that's basically played two games in four weeks. It's just in a different order, right? Um, whereas the Bulldogs are getting the advantage of being at the bottom of the eight, playing every game up until now, qualifying and having a break. And does that help them with their injuries again? Or or do they lose momentum as a result of the fact that they were, uh, they were getting better every game, weren't they? Right, the Bulldogs. So, oh yeah, it's just this is different. I, I agree with everything you're saying. The only thing is, is and this is the first time we're having it. We, we've got teams that are having 14, 14, and a half, 14 and a half days of thinking about the grand final. But yeah, everything so, you've said yeah. there, it's seven day, seven seven and a half days. Depends where you play the Friday night or the Saturday before you play in the grand final. It's it's completely different, and it has its have its impact. It I potentially think... has its impact. The other thing from the outside that's been the downside to this buy has been the dribble in the media. I mean, people have been looking for stories. So there's been just absolute rubbish. So that's why I'm saying if there was a real distraction like the VFL or whatever it was, I like the model because neither team will be able to say that they're going into this game sore or tired. Um, and I guess it's about each club. And who who cares what they're doing in the two weeks, curfews or not curfews? That, I find that interesting psychologically, the different approach that both clubs are, are taking to, um, you know, rules and regulations into the build-up. But, you know, I, I think it's good. I, I like it. I hope it stays. Key match-up, Shano. What's going to swing the game? Sounds like you think it's going to be a close one. What's your view on on what's going to swing the game? What are the big match-ups that are going to – or the well, I think that's the challenge for both coaches. Up. So, um, you know, one of the, as, as all games, but certainly this game, your composure is, is number one key. So if we started the coaches, like Simon's first time as a coach into the grand final, um, played in 97, 98 with Adelaide. Uh, Bevo, as we know, you know, coached the team in 2016 to a grand final. So um, I think Bevo, uh, I would say as a tactician, is probably a little bit ahead of Simon. But I think that comes back to the type of players he has at his disposal. I think he has greater flexibility in some of the players that can move into other positions. Whereas I look at Melbourne... What's an example of that? Oh, well, Shaki, uh, he can he can change up. 
Um, but did you play... think that was the case before that move took place? Like, did no, anyone he, ever he's, talk he's about that? He's played both ends before. Even Cordy's he? gone to both ends. Yeah, Johansson, he can play lots of different uh, positions these days. He's gone half back. He's gone onto the wing. He can. They played him up forward a little bit for a bit of bit of uh, speed and defensive pressure up there. Uh, Hunter's been playing on the wing, but he can go in the middle. He can go forward. So they've got some flexibility there. Um, even Dunkley's played in a number of positions over the year, so or over the season um, and over the years. So I think he's got some greater flexibility in, in his team. Where I don't, nothing comes to mind from a Melbourne point of view where they can shift players around if they need to. But Simon will just they'll well, back Tom his McDonald. Tom McDonald would be one who's played both ends of the ground. Jaden yeah. Hunt, if he well, plays, um, James Jordan. Um, Sparrow, a few of those guys, have, but they're not as big a names, Shane, as some well, of the they're, others. They're just nice. So, yeah, they and might... they haven't done that. They haven't had the need, I don't reckon. Whereas, no, the so probably I had the think he'll just back his structure in. It's been successful all year. And let's just keep it going. Um, the challenge will be when it's not, if it's not working, or the dogs have got control, what he will do if he needs to change, if he has to change, and who is it that he needs to change. So, I think that'll be the challenge from a setup, from a key. Um, probably a key matchup. Yeah, the, the last time they played, they they wanted to get Norton onto Lever, um, and they wanted to get Hannon onto to May, which was successful. Although it didn't stop Lever, it certainly because um, I think he still took fifteen intercept marks that day. But May had less impact on the game, and we love the way Steve May plays because he's so strong in the air, strong on the ground. And clears the ball by kicking 50, 60 metres, kicking to the wing. He had less impact that day. Now, the Doggies won that game by, I think it was 15 to 20 points, something like that. Um, so I would think they'll try that again. Um, from a midfield point of view, I don't know whether they'll try and tag each other because their midfield is so good. With you look at, um, you got the Bont, you got McRae, you got Libber in there, um, you got Petrarca, and you've got. Um, Oliver, Oliver. For, and you got Viney um, for Arms will tag. Yeah, Arms so will like, probably pick do you tag? What do you? And I think we well, tagged Liber last time. I think. Yeah. So like, what do you do there? Do you cut Liber out? If you cut Liber out, therefore you cut the That's feeder out to a McRae or a Bond, potentially. Um, who's going to take that role? And I think uh, you know, Clarko and um, Clarko and Dimmer were talking about a bit about that the other night. Uh, about like what do you, what do you do? What is the value of actually tagging? Does it take more away from your game versus trying to reduce their game? So, I think the midfield just go right. Go for it. The biggest the biggest um, edge I think Melbourne have got is Max Gorn against English or a Martin, and I think that's where uh, potentially the game could be won. And I don't think the game the margin is going to be much at the end of the day. We certainly hope that, but I don't think it will. But Max probably holds the key there, I think. English is not doing enough in the ruck. Martin's physical and maybe drag Max down a bit and have you're probably not going to stop Max from getting his hand on the ball, the ruck contest. However, it's about can we reduce his impact on where he's going to put that ball? And that's what they'd be focused on. So it doesn't give you know, Oliver or Petrarca or Viney an advantage. I think that's the key there. Uh, the back lines, you just mentioned about Lee, um, May and Lever. Um, I think the doggies' back line's solid. Be interesting to see what they do on the selection table. Um, is Keith come up? Is his hamstring okay? He's an important player for him, but um, 
does he have the right matchup? If he's Melbourne, does he? Who does he take? Uh, Melbourne's forwards quite mobile. Is that suited to him? Probably not. So, be quite interesting to see what um, what Bevo actually decides this week. Uh, it's interesting when I look back at both games. There's a couple of things that stand out to me. The layperson of the group. Um, both times, one of the teams got out to about a four goal break at halftime and went on and won the game. Both times, uh, you only had to kick 85, 87 points and you win it. And interestingly, the day that the Bulldogs won, Max Gorn absolutely dominated. 56, knock, 56 hit outs the second time round when, uh, when the Bulldogs won. So I, I actually don't want to rain on people's parade. I don't think this will be as close as we think. I think Melbourne will win and win well. And I say that because I reckon big men win finals. And when I look back through both times they played, Jack McRae starred for the Bulldogs, but just the depth of, of Petrarca, Oliver, Viney, Gorn, all of that. I just think Melbourne are too good. And unless something goes horribly wrong, which can do from time to time, I think it'll be over it. I hope I'm wrong. I think it'll be over at three-quarter time. That'll be the driver, mate. That could be the key influence in the game, mate. Uh, well... The umpires. Uh, it's just an amazing <coughs> appointment for Matt Stevick, but that is that is. What's more amazing is Mollison has been has made it to the final three. That's a disgrace. But the uh, other well, factor, let's just talk. Let's not talk about the umpires because they're they're important, but they're not important in this conversation. Um, is, did David Roden get the boundary, um, the goal umpiring gig? Well, let's hope so. We want some sort of joy on the day. Um, now, the ground. The size of the ground, I think that's going to uh, be a factor. And you know, you mentioned um, Maxi as the big influence on the uh, on the day. I think there's the style and the way the on-ballers play. Like McRae's not a runner of the ball; he's an accumulator and gets and kicks. He's not breaking the lines type player. Like a Bonce breaks the lines a lot more. Libba's not a breaking of lines; he's a feeder. So if you look at Petrarca and Oliver, they can break the lines now. Yeah. And I think that could be the di- it could be the difference in the end of the day. I'm I'm going Melbourne, but I think that could be a key difference in the in the day in the performance of the team by them breaking the lines on that ground and having scoreboard impact. We know Petrarca will, and if Oliver gets involved, um, he has had a couple of games this year where he's kicked uh, a couple of games. Then, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. Who are you tipping? Uh, oh. Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, and you 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 think by a fair margin, Tex? Yeah, I do. I think if I think I got it'll that be bad feeling too. I think, yeah, um, just from an overall spectacle point of view, um, um, it'll either be really close or a blowout. I don't think there's sort of like it won't be like an eighteen or a twenty-four point game. It's going to be one that, well, shit, could this go to extra time or I'll slap them. I, I can't see the I can't see the Bulldogs winning. Uh, I just Melbourne have just been the best team. But just a, a quirky fact for you. Um, around these umpires, Tex. Um, you're right. Actually, um, um, David Roden has been overlooked. He's, he couldn't even make it as a boundary. Uh, sorry, as an emergency. Guess who the emergency boundary umpire is? No idea. Sam Walsh. Yeah, I thought uh, uh, he hasn't even gone into <laughs> He's a runner. He's a good runner. Yeah, well, anyway. And guess who um, the, the goal umpires are? Some guy called Steve Axon and um, Choco's brother, Stephen Williams. Oh, well, it is his brother. Steve is his brother. Fascinating. Yeah, well, just bringing you the information that you don't get anywhere else, Tex. So, Jobs for the boys. So um, let's move from 
the winners to the vanquished of those preliminary finals. Everyone's favourite topic, Geelong. Um, it's it's just crumbling over there, isn't it? Cookie's gone. Um, um, Crumbled cookies. Fishing contest, Steve Hawking's lobbed and decided I'm going to make all these changes and apparently now there's word that there's friction amongst the assistant coaches. How, who would have thought that that would have occurred on six acres of watch? Tex, I'm interested in your views, mate. I'll be really quick. Actually, I'm not, Shane. No, yeah, you, you, you've got to set on Geelong, and, and they had a horrible prelim, but she so did Port Adelaide. It's not completely broken down there. Whilst they've got to redo their list now, um, oh. I think a fair bit of the talk around, if Chris Scott wants to stay there, Chris Scott's entitled to stay there. Oh, I hope he does. hope he does. Love to see him um, try and fight his way out of this. They rolled the dice, Shane, and it just didn't come off. Would that be fair? Well, they've been rolling the dice for a number of years. Mm. So they've played one grand final in the last 10 years. All right. So as much as mm-hmm. some people would say they've been successful yeah. because they've played so many final series, he's got, what, a 72% strike rate. The system doesn't work. I mean, the stats show it. The system he is engaged in and continues to persist with hasn't worked. So he has to change. Well, he goes and a new coach comes in and changes the whole thing. So let me just let's, let me give you a few players that he's recruited over the last five years to win that elusive flag. Dangerfield in 2016, right? So he's had six seasons, I think it works out to be. He won the Brownlow in that, that year. His form has dropped off in the last two years. His performance in finals over the last two years has been average, to say the least. Got 30 touches in a prelim, but no. nothing really... They weren't, they weren't anything. There was no value in my tick, view. Tick for me, worth a trade. Tick. Yeah, but, no, but, but he recruited in the view of strength in to get a grand final yeah. win. Yeah, but six Shane, years. Shane, there wouldn't be anyone Listen, on this earth who says Dangerfield hasn't been a success. Okay. Six years, hasn't worked. All right, Dollhouse, he's been there three oh, seasons. Next, he hasn't, hasn't worked. worked. Rowan, doesn't mm. play well in finals. Been there for three years, hasn't worked. Jeremy Cameron this year, come. One year. Played 12. Yeah. I know one year, but Sean Higgins. 12 games. Sean Higgins, gone. Isaac Smith, had a good season. Lockie Henderson. Lockie Henderson, been there since 2016. Hasn't worked. Uh, Reese Stanley. Tui. Hasn't worked. I mean, these Tui, these, these from players other clubs, haven't taken them to the level that's required to win the big one. And, and even get to the big one. young talent to do it. So that's two, four, six, eight, plus Tui. Nine players. Mm. Tex. And you notice their Swimming performance the current, I has been poor. So it's not winning flags, mate. He has to go or yeah. something has to change. The system it, doesn't work. The quicker they become, they, they um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reality hits them, mm-hmm. all right? The greater chance they have of moving forward. Yep. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that, that is just a big exclamation mark. I, I'm with you, with you, Shane, on that one. Um, and th- they've got to somehow prick uh, an oversized ego down there, mate, because the irony of all of this is the grand final stats are the same between Nathan Buckley and Chris Scott over the last 10 years. They've both played in one grand final and lost it. Oh, there's no doubt. If no, you coach your club, it, if you coach don't, your... don't get involved now. We'll just hit the time limit. Mate. I've mean, just about had enough of you. There's no doubt if you coach a club for 10 years and don't win a flag, then you mm. come under considerable pressure. I'm not arguing that. Great segue into the next one, Port Adelaide. That has to be the greatest choke 
um, I can recall. I mean, I'm just trying to re- a, a team that's been more favoured to um, to take a preliminary final out, mate. Um, Richmond. Who? You go. You go first, Tex, on Port Adelaide because I know I picked them for the prelim based on their performance against um, Geelong. Geelong. All right. The, the, the previous the, week, you go everyone first did. about everyone your view on Port. There's again this recency bias kicks in, so it was an absolute choke, no doubt about that. Okay. Not 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 unlike Richmond's choke against Collingwood in the prelim, only a couple of years. no different at all. Go in as overwhelming favourites, and you just turn up and you have a horrible night, and it actually gets worse. Mm. So no different to that. Very different, but anyway. Last year, Shane in the prelim where they just got nutted by Richmond. I think this will be a bit like Adelaide's grand final appearance. This could really hurt them and, and carry on and, and hurt them for years, or everyone will forget about it if they dominate next year and at least get to the big dance and probably need to win it. So can they have think... a history of doing this as a club? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But but to Mine me, two thousand one, two, three, and four. Yeah. One yeah, flag well, in four. One a flag, correct, along the way. So let's not jump on them. It was a horrible, it was a choke and it was bad, but I'm not prepared to write Ken Hinckley or that list off or anything. They just had a horrible night when the stakes were very high. Another bloke who's been there for 10 years, though, um, Tex, that's the thing. Okay, so... Shane, please. um, I haven't been a fan of Port Adelaide all year. Uh, I just felt like they are sitting below the top teams. Um, And Geelong probably have been the same the way I've just assessed them, right? But my view on them, right? I think their style is okay in the systems. However, they don't have enough engines in the, around the ball. So Wines wins the Brownlow. Boak's had a good year, all right? But he's on. He's going to be on the way out. He's not going to continue. He's 33 years of age. They. Who else goes in the middle? Tell me that. Exactly. Mm. Not, not, not They yes, don't have is. enough, mate. They just don't have enough. They that don't wasn't have enough a A-graders, issue, right? There was no gremlin there. That was a distinct pause. Yes. Look at their forwards. Charlie Dixon, disappointing. Okay, he's kicked 30, 40 goals for the season. He lets you down. He doesn't de- give you anything. Yeah. 31 years of age in two days' time. Okay. All right? Robbie Gray, getting to the end, 33 years of age, hasn't performed. All right? They've got some young kids. You've got some young kids there. All right? Butters, uh, Rosie. Um, they're okay, but you can't be expecting them to bloody – you can't be expecting them to actually step the Archer. up. They need the they need the experienced players to do it. They haven't done it, mate. Right. And they, they've They're also back. they've also you could pull a list of players similar to Geelong with them, mate. Starting with Motlop um, and the other guy Fantasia, who goes as goes missing as much as what his mate Joe Danaher does um, well, that, in finals that, that, as well, that, mate. That's just not true because Fantasia kicked four in this final series and was the front difference runner, in the game. This is the problem, mate. They same with Motlop. They are front runners. Greatest lot of front runners, including those those young blokes. Rosie, who's been uh, mentioned. Um, in dispatches in comparison to Sam Walsh. I mean, give me a spell. He wouldn't carry Sam Walsh's bags. I mean, um, and, and he jibbed a few contests too um, um, last week. So I don't reckon their back half is that good. Yeah. McKenzie plays Jones. it. Aaliyah, 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 Aaliyah is their best set, player, set on marking the ball. He doesn't run and carry the ball. They've got no drive out of their back half. Jonas is um, slow. Uh, Burn Jones is overrated. How he got an Australian all Australian guernsey last year? He got me beat. wasn't in wasn't in the coaches team. Uh, I think they got troubles down there. They need to recruit. They're they're um, 
they could go backwards very, very quickly. So just well, on that, Shane, they're going to get Finlayson, Jeremy Finlayson. There's the answer well, uh, for well. them. What do you do as a coach when you go back and watch that tape and they talk about some blokes not going so hard so early? How, how do you do you just double down on that and that just you just push them, you just brain them right through preseason and it becomes a fight against yourself, or do you just park it and try and move on? Well, I'd like to know where their headspace was because I tell you what, Ken would have done everything right in their preparation. There's no doubt about that. I mean. It, I've coached it obviously a different level, but hey, you can do everything right pre-game, right leading up to that game, and they come out and you go, what? What are they? Where does this come from? That's not my boys, mm. and it's not. Mm. However, it's how you then recover from that. What he does, what did he do the next day or two days later? Did he sit down with them and go, right, let's go, open up. What happened? Where was your headspace? What would you, you do, you What would you do if you were Ken now? Mm. I, would, I would have sat him down straight away. The next day, or do, let them think about it, then bring them in, and use that as motivation. Or do you make wholesale changes and say, "Well, you know, you, where, where you're at, where was your head at, what was happening, what were your thoughts, were you nervous, did you overthink it, did you go into complacent, did you just thought you're just going to win? I, I don't know. You just got to ask the questions, and you need it's a real honesty situation. Mm. You need the feedback because Ken's going to do the same thing he just did this year and last year and the years before. Something's got to change here. They've been too disappointed. They're not at the level I reckon they think they're at. No, that could be right. They certainly didn't win it. I mean, it started off badly and it got worse. So The well, worst what... thing for them, they played Geelong. <laughs> that was probably the worst thing they played. They did. Yeah. The, the yeah. one positive for them was um, obviously Ollie Wines winning um, on Sunday night. I mean, if we segue into the Brownlow uh, for a moment, um, getting back onto some positives. Um, good winner? Great winner. Great, fantastic, fantastic. He had a great season, and like his performance in the prelim, like he was a shining light. He had thirty-eight touches. He just kept working his bum off. Mm. So I thought he had a great season. I reckon he could have gone anyway, as you know. Yeah, the top what four players all pulled more than thirty. Well, votes. the top the top three was spot on. I think the top three players. I mean, as much as what I was just talking about positive about Sam Walsh, I'm, I'm not sure he. He wins games. See, I'd still say Cripps is a better match winner, has the potential to be a bigger match winner than Sam Walsh. He's relentless. Sam Walsh works really hard, all that sort of stuff. But um, and I, mean, I don't know how the hell he got 30 votes um, in that team, considering how poorly they went. So, I mean, I just it makes you wonder around at the voting, right? No, no key position players um, getting votes. Max Gorn was the only player in the top 30 who wasn't a, like a – a normal midfielder. I mean, I know he's technically yeah. a midfielder, yeah. um, but as a ruckman, got seventeen sure seventeen yeah. votes. Was it? I think Max got seventeen votes, but possibly. And well, I Tom Mitchell, Tom twenty-six Stewart. votes. Yeah, I expected I Tom Stewart and Levin maybe get a few votes. They got hardly any votes. Eight votes for Tom, and I think Jake got five. I, I think um, the top five really weren't a surprise. Sam Walsh, a genuine star, and and Parish. If you looked at the I had my little form guide out on, on Sunday night just watching it unfold. And if you, you looked at the paper, they kind of picked almost the top five, a lot of papers in order. So there wasn't too many surprises in this count. Do you think Jake, uh, Jack McRae is a better player than Sam Welsh and Parrish? Uh, no, I don't. See, I do. Do you know how many McRae got? Yeah, about 15 or 16. 
Yeah, yeah, something like that, fourteen or something like that. Mm. So he's an accumulator, right? So he, he he's not showy or whatever else, right? Um, but I think uh, I guess it just depends what you want to be able to do for your team and all the rest of it. I think for Sam Walsh, there was just nobody else taking votes off him um, from that team. So even when Carlton won, and he got a lot of votes clearly when they didn't win as well, um, mm. yeah. right? And you still like think, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, but Walshie and and Parish, they're they're accumulators. There's nothing flashy, really. I mean, Walshie's done a couple of, couple of good goals throughout the season, but there's generally he's an accumulator. He's a workhorse. Hey, um, Shane, I, I I think the horn on the on the bus of our special guest has just um gone off. So just to wrap up this, has um, he arrived? Is he broken? He's the, nearly he across there, the border. Right? You're not doing the other stuff. He's, as no, no, he, he, he sent a text message to say he's nearly there. So let's just quickly wrap up here. So non grand final or Brandlow stuff. Um, what about um, the big news? The Carlton supporters, they're up and about again. Um, Brian Cook, and then he was going to bring, um, um, immediately bring Clarko, and then unfortunately Clarko had to tell them, no, I'm actually not coming. Why would I come? And that, and Tex, each... you've got some views on this one. I know you've oh, been well, just... tweeting profusely over the weekend after the announcement. A Carlton have a genuine identity crisis now because... I think you raised off air. They just think they can buy their way out of any system or any structure that's put around them. So they go back to the well. They they went back to John Elliott and Steve Kernahan, and recently they've gone back to Greg Williams as a footy director. And, Marco, uh, Dennis Pagan and Mick Malthouse, and there, there's a litany. But but you John kind of draw, you draw a line in the sand, and they go, we're going to go and get. Uh, off field, we're okay, but on field, we've got issues. They can't get a coach. They turn over their CEO and they go and recycle a very, very good CEO, but he's 66 years of age or something. And uh, don't tell me that it's not about the money. And he'll, he'll be good for the footy club, but I'm interested to see what happens. They can't find a coach. No, well, you know what's interesting? Coach- so, great appointment, gives them some credibility for a while, right? The, the issue with um, Cook, which I think is a question mark for me, is he was retiring. Yeah, uh, I heard it. So, how does your mindset change at that at that point in your life? And you've achieved what you've achieved as an administrator. Yeah, correct. Um, right. So, so is it ego? Is it yep. money? Both. Uh, is it all of the above? Only then, those two things, right. mate. Can and only then, be those two. And things. then the the stupidity of this the, this fake president, which is about the third fake president they've had in a row. Who comes out then and, and and retweets the Age article that states they've picked up Brian Cook, and goes on to say Carlton in uppercase is a destination club. Absolutely, if you want your career destroyed, just ask Stephen Trigg, just ask Kane Little, yeah, just ask Stephen Silvani. Um, the the litany of people. It's been a disaster. Dennis Pagan had a great ne- career before he went to Carlton. Neil Craig, who, Neil Craig, yeah, I think yeah. was there for five minutes. Guess guess who's overseen all of this? That's right, Luke Sayers. Just. Yeah. Um, in the back rooms of that boardroom, they're um, snivelling his way around. I mean, give me a spell. And and the dirty, money laundering, crooked, corrupt people behind the scenes of that footy club who have the audacity to uh, the wealthy get together and just pay out the luxury tax. I mean, it, it, it stinks of – it is just – it is laughable. And, you know, i tell you what, though. I'm surprised it sounds like we're going to the right now. Park there, mate. No, no, if they were brave, this is where I think, you know, you've got to be brave in leadership. I'd love to see them do a deal now. I reckon members would love this. Imagine Kim Jong-un. They should announce Alistair Clarkson, 
this week as their 2023 coach. You've had a and, few goes at this, mate, because this is Craig Hutchinson's idea, and I didn't pick you up on this when you tried to claim it as your own no, no, two weeks was, ago. It was mine. No, he it wants, wasn't, mate. mate. We recorded on a Tuesday, and Hutchie mentioned it on the Monday night nah. on Footy Classified. Yes, he did, Tex. Alistair clearly wants to coach again at some You've point. You've been outed. Go and get him now and, and get Mickey Mouse to coach them next year. Mate, he would, he's not interested in Carlton. If you didn't pick up on that in that interview last night, and he's not interested in Collingwood either, but you know, talking about how it's really nice. Mate, he'll be coaching Gold Coast in 12 months' time. Oh, quite possibly. Or but Tasmania. The, the problem for Carlton is Tasmania, he's the modern-day Kevin Sheedy, mate. That's how I, he sees himself now. I don't think Carlton can win now. I think since Luke, if you just draw a line in the sand, since Luke Sayers took over as president, I don't think they can win now because whoever coaches them is going to be seen to be kind of the, the, the bottom. They want to do it quickly. And to this was a Craig Hutchison steal from last night. This process is not really a process if they do appoint Michael Voss because surely Cookie comes in and says, well, hang on, I'm going to have a think about this. They, Carlton should wait another four or six weeks, as ideal as that not, not is. You can't just go and put Michael Voss in now or Adam Kingsley because... Well, they did interview Michael Voss two years ago mm. and then rejected him for Teague. Oh, which which there's you wanted hair. to talk about, right? Well, there, there's hair all over Michael Voss as a coach. I think he could become a, a Tim Watson or someone else. Um, Teague, Teague to Richmond. I mean, that's hardly... That's uh, a great appointment. Oh, you are a dickhead. You, you, you have lost all credibility. This, see, this is what's wrong go, with you. Hey, Tex, you, you asked me the question. So go back to our podcast earlier in the year um, when we were having some record numbers of listeners who will be able to vouch for this, Tex, be able to vouch for this. What I said about David Teague is he's not a senior coach. He's a good assistant. And that's exactly what he'll be at Richmond. Mark my words, Tex. Okay. Well, looks like you've gone to the bottom of the barrel. But the bigger news, the bigger news, which has not flown under my radar, is oh. Trent Cotchin. My goodness me, only half doing the job again. Stood down from the captaincy rather than standing down from the club. You reckon Geelong have got issues and insecurities and have missed you watch you watch Richmond are on the same trajectory, mate. They've got some flags behind them, so they get some currency. Thanks, but, mate. But there is some selfishness there that's just percolating again to the top of that footy club. And it's you can see it in the off season. And good on Marbia Chole and these guys for going and getting an opportunity because you ain't going to get it at the club that they're at. While while these people like Rewalt continue to anchor down for longer-term contracts and big money. Mm. Good, good good comments, mate. Thanks for that. Shane, what do you think of Brad Scott's appointment? Joke. Yeah. Well, why do you joke. say that? Why do you both say that? Oh, One for the boys, mate. He ended up in, in, a, in a senior role with AFL Victoria, just then just moved him into this role. It's After just being a, a coach for 10 They're years. Just all mates, mate. Give me two other alternatives then. Josh Marnie. Yeah, one. He pulled out of the race, as I understand it. Yeah, because they changed the role around. Yeah, and who else? Any that's, of the football on Nah, the see, that's the problem with people like you. You knock the appointment, but you don't have an alternative. Oh, I just gave you one. Josh Marnie. Yes. Yeah, but he pulled out of the process. So we don't even know who else applied, Tex. That's my point. So how can you knock uh, Brad Scott? He might be the very best person for the job. Expose all of that and tell us all about it. How did he get the gig? How did he get this game to, the game Victoria or whatever freaking title Victoria. was the point? Yeah. How did he get that? Well, how did Steve Hocking get the gig that he got before that? How did Adrian well, Anderson Steve Hocking get it was a football manager at 
Geelong for a long time. So as much as what I'm not a massive rap for Hocking, he, he's got some pedigree doing that role, right? That's oh, what I'm I... saying. Any of the footy matters. Dan Richardson, who, who's been looking after the umpires, is in the football department, has run um, and been a football director at, at AFL clubs, has done player management. Much better, much better option than Brad Scott. Well, in your opinion, but yeah. we're not close enough to know. Well, you just asked me. You asked me for my opinion. I just gave it to you. It, you've got a, you've got a problem with the Scott family and the Scott name, and it just clouds your thinking. Shane, why do you uh, think it's a job for the boys? Because he's he's one of the boys. He's a play, ex player. Why is all these ex players getting in these just what do you call them? Body perfect jobs for it. Well, well, you can't on one hand say that you need experience and not, and then knock them for putting in ex-players because if they equally appointed someone from outside the industry, you'd say they've got no feel for the game. That happened when they appointed Nicole Livingston. Everyone said, what, what the hell would Nicole Livingston know about AFL administration? So you can't win. People like you two have COVID affected. You might need a third jab just to settle you both down, I think. So the there's, there's, there's a third jab coming, all right, mate, right on your cheek. <laughs> So would you say the uh, the presidents of the Melbourne and uh, Western Bulldogs football club had no concept of football, but they're presidents of the club? No, I think as a president, you can you can act like Peggy O'Neill's a great case in point. Probably no idea about the intimate runnings of a footy club, but you don't necessarily have to be to need that to be a good chair or president. But to be the what, role, what, what 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 was that, mate? Your five day Australian Institute of Company directors have have given you the, the wherewithal to be able to make those comments about people. No, you just see it constantly in business and in life. You don't have to be okay. a subject matter expert to right. be, the, so we don't to have be to a be... chair, to right, be a okay. chair or, or, or a president. But to be a CEO or a good frontline manager like the Brad Scott role is, you've got to have absolute knowledge of the content. And I reckon he's as good an appointment as I could see. Who else did you see on the list? I couldn't think of anyone better. That's what I'm saying. There wasn't a list of people to go, oh, they're the people for the club. Some major gaps there between those two ears, Dex. All right. Hey. I think he's calling you, mate. Nathan Jones? No, not Nathan Jones, our guest. Let's move on. Congratulations on that super career. 302 games? Fantastic. Sad that he can't play this week, but. He's it's gone. It's all over for him. Correct. And I'm glad that they didn't, uh, you know, use him as a medical sub or give him a token appointment. So what, like him. Mark Murphy. Mm. Mm. Moving right fun. along, lads. Morwood, a chance here for Collingwood. Shane Morwood puts it back. Oh, magnificent goal by Morwood. Mind games. Mind games from both coaches. The challenge that they both got is, uh, do I worry about what Bevo's going to do and what Simon's going to do, or do I just focus on me, my team, and how we're going to operate? That's the challenge both have got here. So if we look at Simon, like as I said before, hasn't coached in a grand final game. So will the moment get to him? Potentially. He's got good people around him. He's got Chucko around him. We'll calm him down. Hopefully calm him down. He'll fire him up. Chucko doesn't shut up, as we know. But Yes, he's no choker with that tie, Choco. But I think what he does is about he's thinking about what is the message that I actually send to the boys on, on pre-game. So about an hour before they're due to go out, he'll be having a pre-game address. What do I talk about? What has my message been in the first two weeks of finals, two games of finals for them? Do I change my message? Do I bring something else? You know, we've heard of other coaches like a Clarko 
bring the shark, I think it was the shark conversation into one of his grand finals years ago. Does he bring something different? I think that's knowing the group, knowing where they're at right now and understanding what is it I need to actually um, provide them that they don't already know. 22 players or 23 players, sorry, they know what they've got to do. They know their roles. They understand it. Are they composed, relaxed, ready to play? If they are, don't need to hype them up. Let them go through the routine and play the game. So from a tactical point of view, Simon's going, well, do I, do I tag the Bond? Do I tag Libba? Do I tag McRae? One of, all of, do I change my structure a little bit based on them and work off those three players? Still be attacking the defensive mindset first. We know their defensive structure is really good. But have they done tagging roles throughout the season? The answer to that is probably no. So why bring something different into a game, even though that it's the doggy strengths of their on-ballers, do I bring that in for this game? Or do I back my three players, my four players that rotate through there to dominate and control it or have better impact or greater impact in the game than the, than the doggies boys? Potentially that's it. Yes, you're about to say something? Oh, I, was, I had a couple of questions, if I may. Would you like me to wait or would you like me to interject? No, I'll, I'll keep going. I think the only player that they've got that's had grand final experience is Jake Lever. So he played in the, played in the 2017 grand final. Um, yes, so quite a nice which didn't end well for him. So, how does he how does he cope with that four years later? Um, is he ready for it? Is he better prepared? Is he a bit more mature player? How much impact can he have on other players? So, hey, this is going to be the day. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to feel. Same with Simon. So, it's about sharing the experience to help calm down the players that may need uh, calming down. But as all games, as I mentioned before, composure is a key element of the game of the whole day. Be composed, focus on what your role is, just go out and, and perform. We know our KPIs, you know where we've got to be. Defensive structures in place, forwards, they've got forward pressure, they've got a good balance of forwards, key forwards. So I think the balance of that team is really, really good. So they're in a good place. The challenge is, it's a long time. We spoke about 14 days or 14 and a half days since they've played. That day leading into, and it's a late game for them. You know, it's a 10, 10 past five, five yep. o'clock, 10 past five of their time. Um, that's a long time to wait and get ready to, to go out and play hopefully the game of your life. So it's about settling down, keeping them calm, keeping them focused on that role, not over-talking, not communicating too much. The challenge is when you're, you're hyped, there's adrenaline pumping, players don't take any information. They take a little bit. They know what they've got to do. They've done all their preparation. You don't need to say much at that level, at that time, at game time. So pre-game. So I think that's one of his challenges. Where does he go? What does he say? Bevo, similar in the sense of the message he sends, um, but I think he's got some similar questions about, well, what do I do? Do I tag their gun on ballers? Do I, do I go with Lever to get to um, Norton again? Oh, sorry, do I go Norton to get to Lever? The other way around, sorry. Um, do, I, do I tag Oliver? Do I tag Petrucker? Um, don't know. What do I do in the ruck here? We know Max is going to be dominant. Do I try and just chop his arm? Do I try and change the actual setup of where that ball's going to go at, at, as much as we can to advantage our players? Where do I set up my players from an on-ball point of view into where we know where Max roughly hits it a high percentage of times? We're going to actually go to there anyway. We're just going to concede. We just want to make sure that uh, Martin or an English forces Max to hit to that area so then we go to that area and control the, the clearances, the stoppages. doesn't matter then who gets the tap is make sure we force the ball into an area. Some of the things that they he'll be thinking of. Um, they've got great balance. They've got key forwards. I love Norton. Um, 
yeah, Nugget might be right. He might kick six. He probably can. He's a hard player to stop. Um, I think the key thing, one of the things I thought about Bevo with his message to the team is about believe, believe, believe. We've been the underdogs. No one gave us a chance. We dropped out of the top four. We finished fifth. We've gone to Tassie. We've won. We've gone then flown to Brisbane. We've won. We've gone to Perth, flown to Adelaide. We've won. Here we are now, 14 days prep. We're ready for it. We're the underdogs. It's us versus the world. Um, be composed in it. One of the, one of the, I think they're the best team at it is their quick hands, their speed of hands and handball into advantage when they're under pressure. I'd be saying, hey, we need it early. We need to spread the ball around quickly, share it, move it, share it, feel it, live it, and control it. Let's go. China. Can I I ask, mate, what about in the last few days? So try with some of the doubts around injuries and players coming back and who might get selected, how much of that do you reckon they mess around with? I mean, even back to your playing days, was there much of that in the lead-up to the granny that um, that teams would legitimately try and um, mislead or or get into the heads of the opposition. Yeah, we used to do it a little bit, but I I, I think because we got that they've got the fourteen days, fifteen days break. They they're settled by Tuesday. They would know what's going on by today actually. Um, so they they're settled. So whatever they say now from between now and Saturday, they're just all furfies. I think they know the key players like Keith for them who's had an injury. Uh, Vandemi, I think, had done a bit of a strain as well. If they're going to be playing or not playing, May for Melbourne, they don't know if they're playing. There would be no wait till the last moment to select to finalise their team. No, no, I know they might not, but what might they feed out into the media to to wind up um, the opposition? Or maybe um, leak something to one particular outlet that might run with it to... to... Or the scouting that good now that you'd know what the other team are probably going to do anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say. They'd be they'd be watching. There'd be people observing their training, observing individuals, the ones I've just mentioned. So they'll know, mate. I don't think it's going to be any concern. It's interesting. The more I listen to you, the more I'd prefer to be in the Bulldogs camp, the way you put that, about you know what they've done and the belief. I've got two questions. One is to you, the coach, and one the player. But as a coach, do you... Do you get too cute or does it ever enter your mind that you, when, when the players break and you take up your positions for the first quarter, is it, is it standard or do you try and throw a surprise? Do you try and roll one back early or play someone out? Do you try and kind of catch the opposing coaching staff offside or do you not bother about it? Do you just put your best players where they're performed and status quo? You want them settled. So you don't want to throw something that's um... – a bit of confusing for the individual if you put them somewhere else where they're not used to being playing, especially how both teams played so dominantly well in their prelims. Um, and we might want to talk about that for a sec too because it's generally you get a prelim that one team dominates, the other team just gets through uh, and potentially the forms op- are opposite when you actually get to the grand final. We've had both teams dominate their opposition in the prelims coming in both great form into the grand final. So I think that sort of throws a little bit of a quirkiness to it or um, a, a bit of unsurety about, well, shit, who is going to win this game? Um, so, yeah, I think it, it makes for an interesting an interesting contest. But uh, I think I wouldn't change anything. The, the beauty about having 6-6-6, six, 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 you can't throw, mm. you can't start with a 7 and a 5, but no, 6-6-6. So it is what it is. They'll be backing themselves to win that 
first contest, the first clearance out of the middle, and take a mark, ground level ball, whatever that is, cause havoc in their in their front half of the ground, and try and lock it in for as long as they can and build the pressure up on the opposition. That's what they want to do. They want to score. Now, Shane, I'm just about to break into a muck lather, but you, the player, this is a, a question that I, I look forward to every grand final day. Once you, the player, are out on the ground and you've you've done, you're out on the ground and you've done your warm up, and you then go down to take your position to start your first grand final, could be your last. Do you do anything different as a player? Do you put more body contact on your opponent? Do you acknowledge him? Is it is it any different that first five minutes of that game to any other game? No, well, you don't want to. You don't want to. Um overexcite yourself or be too hyped up because what happens is it's a bit like a bell curve. You you hit there too quickly, you'll drop very quickly. So you'll see players maybe dominate and be out of, you know, going crazy for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, boom, there's nothing. That's why. They've just got too aroused. You've got to control that. You've got to be level, all right? And and that comes with composure and understanding what you've got to do and how long you've got to do it for. They've got to do it for two hours. So... Oof. Um, they're in trouble if they get too hyped. Um, they won't perform for long. And oh, and and last one because I could go all night about this. The the days of the extra extra um, you know not brawling but the extra physicality is is that likely? Are we likely to see that on the weekend? Is this going to be a physical contest more than any other final, or will this might have a little bit of extra spice in it? Uh, I don't think so because they both teams play quite physically around stoppages um, and they're quite uh, defensive mindset, both forwards, uh, forward 50 areas for them. So, and they're quite attacking uh, from their back halves as well. So I, I don't think we'll see anything different that we haven't seen all year from these two teams. Well, don't, have, you, don't, Turtle. Have, don't have snipers like Geelong, mate. So uh, it should be pretty clean. Well, you've aroused me, Shane, with that. That's just, that's setting it up. The magnificent insight. The fact that you even thought that we might bypass this because we've, We've blown the budget on the time of the chain. It's ridiculous. I, I'm very mate. conscious of our listeners. All 12 don't want to get bored. Great effort, Thank buddy. you very much, mate. That is, <laughs> that is brilliant. Thank you. We are right, fired boys. up and ready to run through the banner. Come on. A grand final edition of Turtle TV. Oh, Tex, thank you for that um, salubrious um, introduction. Uh, but it's not it, it, it's a, it's really more a Brownlow edition of Turtle TV, mate, because I'm retrospectively doing a quick review on Sunday night's Brownlow. And if Hamish McLaughlin gets another gig on live TV... <laughs> Fairnicum, the McLaughlin brothers are going as well as the Scott brothers. Um, they're just no good. The AFL's awesome for some. Oh, my goodness. A terrible... Look, I do feel for them. Um, that it did, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this, this shonky bar that they set up at, at the Seven Studios with some of the, um, the vote grabbers. It must be rigged, right? These blokes are being told... Go, now, how did Ollie Wines end up being the only person on that table to have his partner there from the Port Adelaide team? Everybody else came solo. 
Ollie's brought his missus, so he's been worded up. Mate, bring her along. She'll beat quarantine just like you will. Um, you half a chance. Anyway, no, no good. Um, I, I thought the only thing that was made it half watchable was that they were jumping from different people. Even Basil got a Guernsey. <laughs> the mayor of Perth. In, in Fannicom, lucky Bont didn't actually win, right? Because that would have been a sword fight between those two up on the stage there in Perth, mate, at the ballroom at um, Crown Towers. Um, poor old um, Nugget, who, who who was there live, uh, watching from the bleachers, said that it was it was an OH&S incident just waiting to happen. <laughs> no, they would have introduced a COVID-safe 1.5 metres standing away from each other, mate, so they wouldn't have hit noses. Uh, uh, ben Cousins was there? Oh, he was. Um, but what about, um, what's her name? Abby Holmes. Oh. So she was one of the, she was on the carpet. Um, Tex, any special comments, please? Uh, well, you know my view on, on Abby. Got a head like a robber's dog. <laughs> anyway, um, between her, Basil, um, Hamish McLaughlin, and um, what was it? Falgate. Jackie Falgate? Jack, Jack, we call her Jack. Oh, oh, well, if you're, if you're colloquial Hamish, you call her Jack. Everybody else calls her Jacqueline. Haim, how are you, Haim? I mean, fair income. Um, I was pining for the days of Bruce McAvaney and Steve Quartermain to just simply host the freaking thing. Um, and Bruce's little special interviews that when he'd crawl up beside the players at the table. Um, but that, no, and then the amount of time they waste on other stuff, peripheral things. Crossing to the poor blokes who um, who were zooming for the for parts of the telecast. How did they work out which blokes could zoom in? Like poor old Jack Crisp had about four blokes over at his place, so obviously they weren't following quarantine rules over there. And Jack Rewalt looked like a corpse stuck in a rocking chair for most of the night. I don't know why they asked him on after they worked out that he didn't win the mark of the year. Just let him zoom out, mate. Mm. Well, we've had to pivot in these times, Turtle. Fair old pivot coming, mate, that's for sure. Um, anyway, it was, again, I just thought it was a, a dead set struggle the way they, they, they did that um, throughout the course of the night. What, you thought it was a good telecast, the red carpet? I mean, I, I actually thought that was awkward because the rest of Australia is locked down, mate. What the hell's going on? And, and they're, they're prancing around um, coming in on the red carpet and, I've got, no, I've got no issue with that. I mean, they can only televise it as it rolls out. I thought it was – I mean, I think it's a boring count anyway. I, I'd rather see them pre-record it and wrap it up in an hour um, and go bang, 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 and, and the whole thing could be condensed down to maybe a 90-minute production, but that's just me. Mate, if you ever need a tricky Ricky to turn up and liven up an event, um, you could have a couple of blokes there just punting all the way through. Like Nathan Brown kept doing the sports bet ads, right? Actually, integrate him into the – Telecast. That would have been much better. Is that the same Nathan Brown gamble responsibly, but we'll keep giving you the odds after every three rounds and hope you load it. up? I've got a special multi coming up for the next three rounds. This bloke's going to get three votes in each round. Loved it, mate. That was um in fact I reckon they should have used the the Heater and Shorey show or whatever that oh, no, the Heater and um, Daisy Daisy show. That would have actually been more entertaining. Or the um what are the guys who did the Olympics? Roy and HG. Roy and HG. Anyway. Um, very average. I reckon a three out of ten at best. Mm. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood...
sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Well, I've just about been tipped over the edge this week because you know my view on protesters, but this week it's gone to an all-new level. The foolish, half-witted, brainless, mindless irresponsible, injudicious people who gathered in Spencer Street last night claiming to be members of the CFMEU, I don't care what group you espouse to be a part of, but any group of people who ignores the law of the land and health advice and thinks that they are above the law and causes public disruption, and as a result of that, punishes all of us and today the construction industry gets locked down an industry where a third of all victorians derive some form of income just proves to me how selfish these people are they are nothing but self-centered self-regarding self-obsessed self-absorbed self-service egotistical and at times egocentric gatherers who stand for nothing and It is just a very sad state of affairs. And as a result of that now, an industry gets shut down, people get forced into lockdown, and I feel so sorry for the people who've done it hard for so long. Now, unnecessarily, more people are doing it hard just because some people think that they are above the law. Whether you believe in vaccination or not, there's no place in this country or this state for that sort of disgraceful behavior and if you or anyone else knows anyone who was a part of that then call them out and ostracize them from your life because they are vermin and people that we should not associate with here here strong bang well that has to be the most agreeable tirade we've um we've participated in text um the one on the weekend was interesting too. Did you see, see the, the raucous behaviour on the weekend? Oh, and then worse than that, to, to make commentary about the behaviour of police for allegedly being heavy-handed. I mean, those people who were protesting, I'm not sure they even knew why they were there. So there's nothing wrong with peaceful protesting to make your point. But when it gets to what it's become, it's, we've just got to be stronger and harder with these people. Well, they took wep- weapons with them in their pockets, uh, stones, marbles. And, marbles? Yeah, Let's absolutely. just have a game just, down the middle of Swan Street. Yeah, well, yeah, trying to throw them between the eyes of the, uh, sort of the police people. Um, so who just... even thinks of that? Like who thought, oh, that's a good weapon. I'll take marbles with me. Yep. And then oh. they can throw at them. Just then they film what, how the uh, police retaliate and then claim that they've been unfairly dealt with. Like, I mean, some of the things they've done today, they're peeing on people. Yeah. They're hitting reporters, uh, news crew, film crew, like, seriously. Looked like a couple of people from that Carlton Info Stats and News um, <laughs> Twitter handle text were down there, I reckon. It's just a shocker. And unfortunately, I mean, I haven't caught up with the news of the day, but I think it's getting worse, not better. So I don't know where it's going to end. No good, but um, hopefully, hopefully, we're going to see some some common sense prevail over the coming weeks. Let's hope so.
our tweeters, that's tweeters, Tex. Our tweeters. Where did I go, Shane? At the coaching Tex. And that'll be Shane's contribution to this segment. Thanks for participating, Shane. I okay. know the See you next year. <laughs> Have a good year. Enjoy Christmas. Uh, get on very elegant. He will win everything. Hey, um, now our tweeters are. This is when they're in a frenzy. They're, what do you call a text? In a muck leather. Leather. A muck leather. Oh, yep. mate, they are just all warming, warming to the 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 peak part of the season. Um, and some of our favourites have been up and about. Forget the Carlton contingent. Um, who, are, who, who got themselves all excited for about 30 seconds with Brian Cook coming on board. That, that prompted a lot of activity. Um, but really, it's now. Mick, the bus driver, comes out to his own at this time of the year, doesn't he, mate? He's, um, I think he might. I think the bus is somewhere between Port Agutta and, um, and whatever that town is on the border. Boy, Keith, there there Keith. used to be this big... BP Roadhouse, I forget the name of it. Keith, uh, Keith. No, no, no. He's playing at fullback for the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, Mick, the bus driver, was heading west, and he had a couple of gigs playing the Spoons in in, in Western <laughs> South Australia. I was his marketing manager. Mary got him the gig. Yeah. He was going to present the cup. Was Mick over there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He he might have been on the on the conference call with Neo from Cellbox D. <laughs> Because uh, I think he's running a book on the game this weekend, mate. He's just doing some chill tapping on his way to um, <laughs> placing some bets there, mate. But they, they couldn't find the book. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. I think it was in the second drawer in the corner office. Mm. Mm. Right underneath the rug. I think he hid it underneath the rug. Apparently, Cressida and Associates are all over it. Well, yes. Well, <laughs> that's an investigation. <laughs> mm. Go I've contributed my bit, so I'm not saying anything. Come on, guys. No, I, I, I look forward, if ever, you're right, if ever there's a week where the Twitters and the tweeters are going to come together and collide, uh, well, it'll be this week. Well, Tricky Ricky, I know hot off the back of um, doing some LinkedIn learning, um, he's ready to go. Um, hey. him, him and, and some of the brethren there uh, at, the, um, at the Big Red Box. Um, I've been learning a lot online, mate. It's been let, magnificent. Let me just say that the trickster is a, a devoted Western Bulldog supporter. And if they get over the line Saturday night, my goodness me, will the dumplings get a working on Sunday. Is um, Uncle um, Uncle Flynn invited over? Uh, not sure. We'll, have to, we'll, we'll just have to apportion accordingly. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> Portions are not something that he welcomes, mate. <laughs> uh, one sitting, thanks. Um, now, speaking of um, the Earl of Earlwood and the Diva, she's been quite active in the. Have you seen her in the streets of Dingley, Texas? <laughs> ah, sorry, Shane. <laughs> I just wanted to welcome you back to the podcast, mate. I have not seen the Diva. Mm, are you mm-hmm. sure? Certain. You know who the I'd diva love to is. Know who the diva is. You know. I'd love the diva to um, uh, mm. disclose her identity. I'm not convinced that the diva hasn't been somewhere involved in some of that CFMEU fracas. Well, hopefully she wasn't wearing that t-shirt. Mm. What was it? Vaxed, waxed, and <laughs> about to hit the roof. <laughs> yes. Good one, Max. And about to something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the party. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, she actually had a bit of um, uh, reminded me a bit of, of one of your old friends, mate, Jenny Painter. Oh, Jen from Dingley. In what way? Oh well, just that that headshot looked um looked similar, mate. Oof, don't think so. Uh, I'm leaving him hanging on his own there. Show yeah, knows. exactly right. Moving right yeah. along. <laughs> under the belt. Now, um, we, we, we obviously, I know I've been carrying on about the compromise season and it will come to an end, hopefully on Saturday, because there is, there is a, a chance that COVID could do something um, between now and Saturday, which would be awful, wouldn't it, after... The, the, the lengths and efforts that the AFL has got to to, to get us to this point. But um mm. Well imagine we have up. a imagine we have a draw and a player test COVID positive and they all have to quarantine. We'll be playing it on Cup Day, the replay. I and not necessarily in Western Australia either then Tex. Um, How? old um um what's his name? Um the smirker. He he shut the joint down. Imagine, Shano, that we have a draw and a COVID outbreak and they bring the replay back to Melbourne just for the vaccinated. Mate, just so you, just a news flash for you, mate. There's no more replays. They now have just extra time. Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the party, I think was the line you used, Dex. <laughs> well, extra time for all other finals, not the grand final. Yes, there is. There's not extra the... time now in the grand final. When did they bring that in? A couple of years ago. Ah, Shane and I are both back at the pre-party. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know but that either. Do your research, finals, lads. Weeks, Go to that one, AFL two and Tables three. website. Tex, you might find some information there. No, I'm, uh, I've closed down no, because... Extra time. It's extra time now. There's no more replays. Wow. It's been the case for a few years. I Personally, I, I'm actually... That's all I'm doing. I'm watching replays of last year's grand final, the one in 2019 yeah. and 2017 to keep my September full. Yeah. Mm. All right. Boys, we'll see you for the grand final review. Have you got something, Tex, before you... you no, no, I was just going to... Uh, Norm Smith, just... just can, you, can, you, can you lead me in any direction? Shane? Yeah, Oliver, for me, for Melbourne. Turtle. Mitch, Mitch Hannon. Oh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't uh, do a shit. No, Petraka for me. Game. Well, based off the Brownlow votes, mate, it's only going to end up being one of those blokes that you've covered off. Love to see Max do it. The track. Now, Max will hold up the cup and Gaddy will give him the cup. And How big uh, will that be, mate, eh? Gary well, up there in his um, loafers and no socks on. And let's, be magnificent. and let's hope we can see the great Neil Danaher beamed in from Melbourne with a beaming smile on his face. And Uncle Ron. Because it's a grand mm. old flag. <laughs> and, and on that note, I bid you both farewell. Arrivederci. Uh-huh.